Welcome to an all new episode of What the Tech Just Happened. From retail to e-tail, we are going to be covering the biggest winners and maybe the biggest losers uh, coming out of Q1 in the retail world and the rise of COVID-19. We're also going to be talking about our personal experience with retail, how we're interacting, contact lists, and all that good stuff, and more on today's episode of What the Tech Just Happened. Good morning, Tyler. Good morning, Penny. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm ready to talk e-tail. I'm so excited. We are, uh, for those listening today, you might be very sad. We are robless this morning. There will be no Rob McIntosh. Tyler Mackis and I uh, hosting a really interesting episode around retail and how we've really gone from a, a full retail environment to an e-tail environment. As a, you know, Tyler, are you a normal shopper? Are you a shopaholic? You know what? I'm not a huge shopper. I I did a lot of um, online shopping to begin with, but I do miss the grocery store, walking around the grocery store, getting some steps in at the end of a week. I know that was, you know, believe it or not, that was actually something that was nice of relaxing. That's kind of where I miss the retail space the most. Overall, not a huge, huge shopper. Yeah, the grocery shopping, you know, you just, uh, we were chatting before, Tyler has a a four-month-old, a nice uh, new baby at home, and pre-kids, I also really enjoyed going to the grocery store, and then post-children, I found myself going to the grocery store about three times a week. It became my my least favorite shopping trip of all. Yeah, I mean, in his lifetime, I mean, you think about it, four months, I this whole thing started maybe three months ago. Mm -hmm. he's never gone to a store before so it should be a long time there's a lot of things that he hasn't done that it's um you know pretty crazy he's been outside only not too too many times too just because of you know everything going on oh that's nuts yeah i remember when i when i first had my daughter uh three years ago everyone was like oh you gotta get out of the house you gotta get you gotta go places you gotta do things and i i guess the world really uh has changed but for the better you know we've been talking a lot about the silver linings of everything going on and i i think that's definitely one of them looking at uh you know the topic at hand today which is retail i'd say that i wasn't a huge shopper i actually am a a big online shopper i i never used to be although i did love a good lunch break walk through tj maxx and home goods i will say anytime is good to walk through those stores. Yeah, um, my my bank account is happier that I can't attend those stores. But you know, the rest of the world is not so so happy that they can't be in those stores or working those stores. Uh, retail certainly has changed over the past couple of months, and I think we've seen the rise of big box stores. Just to be blatantly obvious, those are a lot of the ones that are still open. Your WalMarts, your Targets, Costco's, Sam's Clubs, grocery stores, all of these ones that have been deemed essential. Today, what we're going to talk about is, you know, how quickly stores have moved from that traditional retail model to the e-tail model and really coming out of Q1 and the initial sort of rush of the COVID pandemic, uh, really who our winners and losers are. You know, from a uh, an online shopping perspective, Tyler, would you say you're doing more online shopping, less online shopping, or about the same as you did before? Oh, I would say I would say more. I would say probably almost a hundred percent of my spend of of anything that we're spending 
is going to Amazon. We're just making them bigger. <laughs> I'm trying to, as we as we start to see though, some of these different trends in, in, in smaller companies adapting the different technologies and different contactless deliveries. I think there's definitely, we've definitely started to consume a little bit more like that just to keep money local. But yeah, I mean, I think the sooner that they kind of adopt and change is it's gonna gonna move more money away from some of those big boxes. But I spend, we spend a lot of money just on Amazon alone. <laughs> it's a great company, but bigger getting bigger in this pandemic. Right, right. And you know, I Amazon is amongst uh, some of the biggest winners and the the ten fastest growing brands. They have a reported growth of thirty two percent amongst uh, COVID. No, no surprise. I mean, it, Amazon's as a giant. I have been an Amazon Prime user since the moment they told me I could get free two day shipping. Um, I've been a Prime member forever. Although now I'm I'm having you know eight day shipping and things like that. But all all good. But what's been really interesting in the you know I think right now it's you know this we're recording this on May 20th we're about to head into the really official start of summer with Memorial Day weekend and this usually is a great time for retailers specifically clothing retailers you've got people going on vacation they're taking trips they're you know going to their summer house or going to weddings and graduations and all that stuff and so that's been a, a huge uh, time for retail just in in clothing alone and now we're seeing clothing retailers like JC Penney and J Crew begin to file their bankruptcies not being able to to sustain really what's going on. JCPenney, of course, always really has been tr- struggling for a very long time. But J. Crew primarily is in malls, which has which have been closed. So uh, those retailers that have replied on relied on third party, you know, venues to support their retail business are really starting to to take some hits. Absolutely, and I, I saw that Amazon uh, Amazon jumped one hundred seventy five thousand employees recently. That's a lot in their warehouses. I, I think across, it's in general, across I think the board. I think employees yeah. across the board, but I, it, it kind of reminds me too when you said about J.C. Penney kind of going down. It kind of reminds me of of Toys R Us and kind of not being able mm-hmm. to adapt. I think that some of these big companies aren't as flexible and immovable when it comes to kind of adapting new ways of doing things. I right. think that adaptation is going to be huge during this to try to stay afloat for the ones that are still still fighting. Yeah, I I think that's people who had and that's why Amazon has been so successful is that they had this existing infrastructure to support an event like this. When you look at business resiliency and continuity, I mean, they they pretty much wrote the book on how to be a an online retailer and everyone's been trying to follow suit. Some interesting stats coming out of, you know, Q1 uh, actually going into Q, this is a stat from Q2 for the month of April, is Etsy, E-T-S-Y, for those who may not be as familiar. It is a publicly traded company on NASDAQ. And in April alone, for, for people who don't know what Etsy is, you will after this, especially after I think COVID in general. But Etsy is really started as an online artisan retail shopping experience. So individuals would create something, whether it be, you know, clothing, you know, jewelry, arts and crafts. And what's funny is I remember when Etsy started, everyone was like, oh, I'm you've got an Etsy store. Okay. Like, good for you. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I've bought a few things off of Etsy and Etsy had a a huge rush um, when it came to the, the cloth face masks. Um, you had a lot of people who were doing arts and crafts that, and we don't say that demeaningly. It's it's really what it, it's artisanal arts and crafts. Yes, not finger and painting. You, 
right? <laughs> Not finger painting, but you had uh, a lot of people pivot their businesses to make cloth masks, which you saw in you know major production environments as well. Um, but not including their cloth mask business, uh, they saw in April seventy nine percent growth across their sole proprietors, which is amazing. You know what, what, kind of, what kind of items were just out of curiosity? What kind of items were uh, were enhanced? I mean, I know like uh, probably for Mother's Day, I, I bought a couple different shirts and and mugs and stuff for my wife. But I'm curious to hear if, if they had any kind of stats. They may not. Uh, let me look. It says so. And for the face masks that they didn't include, it was uh, in total in the period they've they sold 12 million face masks alone, which is amazing. And I'm looking here to see Etsy. The the makeup is uh, so proprietors are 83 percent women and they primarily deal in handmade products, home goods, jewelry and vintage items. So I don't think it necessarily gives a breakdown of what was sold, but um, my guessing. uh, So uh, I think the clothing is was a huge thing because everyone was making like quarantine shirts that said different things. There was, you know, we've talked about the quarantine and the Corona Rita and all and all that stuff. So I think a lot of that. My wife got one. Um, a friends. It's like the um. There's some kind of like tagline for what the episodes are called, right? It's like the one. The one. Uh, oh yeah, and friends. Happy Mother's Day. The one in quarantine. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's another example of uh, of, of t shirts and stuff. Yeah, it, it's so I and you know Amazon. Uh, you showed me right before we got started. Amazon too has been uh, tapping into this uh, shop local sort of vibe that Etsy is uh, really capitalize. You know, Etsy's capitalizing on because that's their whole business structure. But now you see the giant Amazon really try to tap into that and give another venue for local, you know, good goods makers uh, to actually sell their stuff through Amazon as well and be highlighted. And interesting enough, it, it kind of looks exactly kind of like Etsy. I mean, it looks like there's a lot of jewelry on there. Um, there's different uh, wellness, like herbal um, candles and stuff like that. All stuff that looks like you would be buying it from Etsy. So yeah, interesting. trying to my get guess is, in that too. My guess is you have a lot of people that are on Etsy that are expanding their same online storefront to Amazon, um, which is a great time to pivot. And I think the the shop local is great. We're seeing a, a tremendous amount of businesses that are out there in our, you know, wherever you might be, small businesses that are really struggling, not knowing if they're going to be staying open. And this is those who are able to pivot to a digital, I keep saying pivot, and that reminds me of that same friends episode. <laughs> oh no, another friends. Um, not going there. This is gonna be a this is gonna be a whole friends, a nod to friends. Those that have had this infrastructure set up to be an online platform, uh really, really successful. A a personal example is I I do some work for a boutique out of Dover, New Hampshire, and she's an online retailer. And really, her whole business is run through Facebook. It's through a program called Comment Sold, where you take pictures, you post some of the, you know, she buys wholesale clothing, resells it, has a whole, uh, whole shop, and you post pictures on Facebook, and you just have people say, you know, what color, what size, and sold. And then it automatically generates the order for you in your cart and you place an order. And she, when this all first started, she thought this was the end for her, you know, selling clothing to women and her, you know, price point on a pair of jeans is like $50. A shirt is, you know, $30, $40. She's like, everyone's going to lose their job. No one's going to buy. She has been busier than she ever, ever has been. That's Um, interesting to me. 
right? Because everyone's sitting, everyone's now her, her mix has changed. Like I said, normally retailers would be selling, uh, clothing retailers would be selling vacation clothes, bathing suits, things like that. She has moved into a complete loungewear, like all, everything she's selling is leggings and, um, stretchy tops and jean jackets and sweatshirts and t-shirts and things like that. And the logic is true because on the list of winners and, uh, losers, Lululemon is also up 40% and they are a um, women's athletic wear, fairly pricey too. So there's money out there um, and the retailers that have switched to their e-tail strategy are are really crushing it right now. And I couldn't even tell you the last time that I put a pair of jeans on. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of my favorite questions to ask people because I I wear jeans almost every single day because I'm afraid I'm not going to fit in my jeans if I don't put them on every day. Oh boy, I guess I better go check. <laughs> so this maybe getting some point, of those fifty dollars jeans that your your friend has. <laughs> we are uh, we are what uh, I think we started this on like uh, March thirteenth or something around there. The the work from home started. So for over two months, I have been making sure to put on my jeans. You know, one day maybe I wear a pair of stretchy pants, but put on your jeans, people. It's been over two months. You have to make sure that they fit. Which leads us into our next phase of the growth of working out at your home. Yeah. On our next um, episode. <laughs> I know Peloton. Uh, I don't know what the stats are, but I know that they were selling out of uh, oh, a lot of their totally. stuff. And yep, I've seen I, more commercials about about working out from from home too. But that's that's a whole nother side tangent. Right, right. Uh, so I, uh, a couple of the, you know, we talked about a couple of the winners, Amazon, obviously, Lululemon, which Lululemon has the highest growth uh, across all of the winners. So they're at 40%. Costco had 35% growth. Target had 27% growth. Walmart close behind with 24%. Sam's Club with 19%. And a couple of others uh, coming in under uh, that number. But when I, I kind of want to talk about the biggest losses, because I think this is where we're going to start to see a little bit of changing the face of retail. Uh, two actually really surprised me when I first saw it, but then it started to make sense. And we alluded to it when we first opened. Under Armour is down 34%. Now you look at a company like Lululemon, same type of apparel. It's workout apparel, it's stretchy, it's sneakers. It's higher, higher end-ish. Higher end-ish. And then North Face as well is, um, and I happen to be wearing a North Face jacket right now, courtesy of HP in Connection. <laughs> Little plug there. <laughs> North Face is down 14%, Under Armour 34%, H&M down 27%. And one thing all of these stores have in common is that they are in malls or, or Dick Sporting Goods or something like that that really require like their entire business model has really been in those retail stores and specifically Under Armour and North Face were always very, I don't know if you knew this, Tyler, but very they were very reluctant to ever put anything on sale. Like, you know, when you would go into a Dick Sporting Goods or something like that, or uh, Olympia Sports, if those are still around, Foot Locker, everything would be on sale except for North Face and Under Armour. They would be excluded from sales because there was very strict protocols on what they would mark down, what they would allow to be on sale. And a lot of that has to do with their back-end warranty programs and things like that, I'm sure. Um, But those retailers now um, that were very by-the-book, strict, and had a limited supply chain are now seeing a very dark quarter during COVID-19. And you're seeing those who really have set up 
to be customer friendly, easy shopping experience, more tools at their disposal. Those are the winners, you know, outside of the ones that are just having general traffic driven to them like Costco and Walmart and Target. uh, Those are the ones rising up. And, and, and interestingly enough, I just looked up the Simon Property Group. I know that they ha- they're one of the biggest ma- uh, mall property owners in the country. And mm-hmm. they were trading, it looks like in February, around 100. And I don't know much about stocks, but I know that this isn't good. They started at like 144 points in February, and now they're down to about 68. Obviously, huge drops and nobody's, I mean, the besides like Texas, I saw was opening back up some some of the malls and stuff. But most of their properties are probably just not sitting there. right now. Yeah. And uh, we have malls that malls have opened up here in New Hampshire. We have an outlet um, center close to our office, um, our headquarters. Uh, I know a couple of people that went walking there yesterday. Only two stores in the entire outlet are open, Skechers and Chico's. In the the malls uh, that have opened up here, it's the, I feel like the malls mostly opened up to cater to any um, like uh, salons and things like that that were in them. Um, or, you know, Best Buy, things things like that. But right. this is, what is your prediction, if you had a magic wand, of, of what was going to change? And obviously, we see the obvious changes in retail right now. Um, but do you, what's your prediction? Like, is this the end of malls? Is this the end? Retail stores, when you think about how they were designed in uh, for forever, has been to prolong the shopping experience of a consumer while in the store. It was Trying meant to, get to them keep in the them door, longer. In as long as they can. Yeah, get them now- in the door and keep them longer. So what's your prediction for post-pandemic retail, e-tail life, Tyler? So I think there's going to be, I think there's going to be a different, a, a couple interesting things. I think one for sure, I think uh, we're going to go more towards contactless payments. I think the world of cash could be coming to an end besides, you know, maybe my, my grandmother who keeps money under the mattress or something. Um, <laughs> I keep money like, in a jar too. Think, maybe, maybe, <laughs> but I really think that, you know, I saw a stat that in March, 22% of consumers worldwide have used some kind of digital wallet while in a physical store. Wow. People just simply don't want to have the touching of cash. Um, I know people who have gone out to a store and just say, keep the change. If it's, if it's close, just because you don't want to have that back and forth. Um, so I think that that's going to be huge. And I saw some of the, the big brands like Walmart and Publix, Publix are, um, are starting to lead the charge on that. It seems of, of changing around some of their like self checkout so that they could take some of that technology. But I think another big thing as well, and you see that, um, this is how I've been consuming as well, like curbside pickups yeah. or, or things like that. I think the easier that we can make this experience, I don't think that retailers are going to try to keep people in the store as long as they can. Now, I think it's going to be, what could we do to make the experience easy for you, but also continue to keep consuming? So I think I think the increase in online platforms, making it easy. Amazon is so easy. That's why we we like it, you know, and it's there in two days and you you just pay the credit card statement. You know, I think that more companies are going to have to, to do some kind of implementation of that to to make things easy for consumers. Uh, maybe more drive-throughs, which a drive-through retailer, which seems drive-through pretty- retailer. Yeah, I was gonna think. I mean, CVS, you can do drive-through retail, right? And Walgreens, and I think uh, I'm not sure if Rite Aid has it. Uh, many, I don't think any of the Rite Aids up here have them, or I'm probably wrong about that. But um, CVS was kind of the first on that drive-through experience. But I think too, like, how interesting would it be if they, um, for like a grocery store or something, to have literally like a drive-through lane? To where you drive through like different departments and have your order. You could pick this up. You could pick that up instead of like an Instacart shopper or something. Just have those employees. Oh, here's here's oh, penny bag. 
huge pilot bag. I know that they have down south, like there's like drive through like beer distributors and stuff, but maybe there could be some kind of like drive through retail. And this that, is just spitballing. I don't know. Yeah, no, I, you know, we, we do it for groceries and uh, I'm almost just as picky about my groceries as I am about my clothes. Because I mean, I can say I want a tomato, but are they going to really check the tomato to make sure it's okay? Meanwhile, like at least if I'm, I'm buying clothes, I'm buying this color shirt in this size. And it's very like, you're not like, Ooh, which shirt do I pick? I don't know which one she might want. Um, what an interesting idea. Instacart for clothing. You might be, you might uh, sit here on this recording and stop uh, this recording right now. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's, uh, that's actually a really interesting concept. And I, I could see it, see it happening. I, the other, the other thing I was really thinking about is before all of this outside of, you know, retail itself, when Amazon first came on board and Netflix, things like Netflix were still shipping DVDs and things like that. The United States Postal Service was booming with all of this new direct to consumer uh, business. And then you saw, of course, Amazon now has its whole own delivery system outside of the um, USPS, US, USPS, yeah, um, FedEx and UPS. Um, and you saw FedEx and UPS step up to be more consumer friendly. I think now one thing I haven't really seen in the news a ton is the business that has now probably returned to the United States Postal Service, given the amount of shipping that's going on in the retail world. And I wonder if this is sort of going to give lifeblood back into that government entity that I, I would you say like a year ago, everyone just figured the post office was going to die. Right. <laughs> I thought it was just going to go away. Like we, we weren't going to use mail anymore. And here we are a year later. And I right. think everyone's taking advantage of it. Right. And I think, I think the interesting thing too, uh, to kind of go piggyback on that, maybe um, it seems like I saw there was some trends of, of um, not relying so much on, on some of the, the worldwide supply chains and kind of trying to bring, I know that that's right. a, a whole nother debate of bring things to America or, you know, let's make all U.S. But when, when they had a pandemic in China that started in China, I know from a consumer perspective, I mean, half of our house is made in China, right? Right. But um, in a lot of, I mean, every, everything we buy, maybe this could be a, a way of maybe people will start buying more brands that are America based. Mm-hmm. I know. I know the branding was America or made in the USA uh, or American-based business was uh, always, everyone was always wanting to tout that. But I think you're right, more than ever, people are going to be looking more at goods that have been within, you know, our borders have, and, and one that might cut down delays and other things like that. We have no idea what the entire supply chain is going to look like. So I'm sure a lot of retailers are looking at the future of that and why something like Etsy is incredibly having incredible growth right now because it's not oh, necessarily local. yeah you're you're wanting to support local businesses i think that's a piece of it but i think the other piece is um cuz everyone's wanted to support local businesses it's not a new concept um i think everyone's really rallied behind that but i think the fact that they're buying from a local business from us made products uh is making giving them more satisfaction than they had before when shopping local yeah absolutely so looking at retail to e-tail and the future of what's in store for retail, I couldn't agree more with you, Tyler. I think we are going to be looking more and more at a cashless, contactless environment. I think uh, retail stores like 
Under Armour or retail brands and stores like Under Armour and North Face are going to have to really figure out how to adapt to this new business model, be it their online strategy or working with a larger uh, network of partners to deliver their products. And I think we're going to see more and more of these artisan local platforms really be the future of how we consume goods, knowing where our goods come from, supporting who's making them. Um, And it's a really interesting time for retail. And I I think uh, we have a great retail team. Not I think. I know we have a great retail industry group here at Connection. And up by both Brian Gallagher. Exactly. Yep. And um, I I think it would be a great idea to bring um, Brian back to we had him on the podcast well before, you know, all of this pandemic sort of uh, set in. And it would be great to have uh, Brian back on the podcast to kind of give us his professional view of what's happening happening in retail. Um, so stay tuned for that. And thank you, uh, Tyler, for joining me today. And uh, for those of you out there listening on whatever platform you are listening to us on, please remember to like, share, and follow us. You can also leave us a comment about how you like today's episode. And feel free to email us at podcast@connection.com. And if you have any questions on how to help your own retail business uh, in your digital transformation, please reach out to your account manager like Tyler Meckes. And you can also find us at www.connection.com. Thanks, Tyler, for joining. And all of you out there, have a great day. Thanks, Penny. 